always will be. You will never be a man or woman of prayer and the Word without sacrificing something good. You will always have a temptation to be busy and to be distracted. The only way to do this is to make it a priority. And the more and more you seek God, the more power and the more of Him you have. In fact, Manly Beasley used to say, you, have just as, you can have just as much of God as you're willing to pay the price for. And so there may be some television that needs to be shut off. Uh, there may be some entertainments and some hobbies that need to be diminished in importance. There may be something else, but you've got to make a choice. Do I want this world or do I want the power of God and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I willing to pay the price? Jesus Christ has an affection and an affinity for those who walk with Him in the spiritual disciplines of prayer and the Word. And the key to this is to have a time when you do it every day that's uninterrupted and a plan. You don't want to get up tomorrow morning and then figure out what you're going to do. Figure out what you're going to do tonight in your Bible reading your Bible study, and your plan. And please never accept a substitute. Oh my, when I was younger, when we came to Christ or we had friends that came to the Lord, our churches and our youth ministry would give to uh, new converts Bibles. And we had that expectation of them. We thought the Bible was so plain and clear, new converts could understand it. And you know what? They fulfilled our expectation. They understood and they immersed themselves in the Word and they were surprised that an ancient book would come alive in the presence of Jesus Christ. But you know what we do today? And this is not all bad, but it's cautionary. We give them Christian books as if they couldn't understand the Word or as if what they need is not immediately relevant and found in the Word. I want to say too, I have nothing against Christian books. I've got a few. But what I want to say is this, never, ever accept a substitute for the Word of God, even if it comes from the Christian world. There is nothing like fellowship with Jesus. I don't just want the thoughts of a human author. I want the thoughts of God. I want Christ in my heart and in my life, walking with me through the day, and we receive that by the Word of God. Immersion in the disciplines. But there's a second thing. Abide in Christ also through obedience to the commands. Verse number 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You'll have a greater, abounding, joyous experience in His love. Do you know why? Because it's in the environment of obedience to God that love flourishes. When you're outside the commandments, you have an environment that hinders love and discourages love. In other words, obedience to Christ creates the kind of environment that lets love thrive and flourish. I mean, the most loving relationships and marriages in all the earth are between husband and wife that are zealous about obeying God. Abide in Christ through obedience to the commands. And some might say, hold on just a minute, you're entirely too serious about this. My goodness, you're lathering up that pulpit. You're up there about to throw it off the platform. What are you thinking, Mills? Look at verse 21 of chapter 14. Let me tell you why it's easy to become zealous for Christ in this. And I wish I was better, more eloquent, more capable of communicating it. But verse number 21, I can't improve on this in chapter 14, verse 21. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And watch this. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now, the Father's love doesn't begin at your obedience. It's always existed. But there's a greater, more magnanimous experience of his love. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. 
When the sun comes up during the day, the trees and the landscape and buildings are made manifest. They become clear. And Jesus says that obedience to my commands is like the sun coming up, making manifest all there is of me. So I've got to say to you, it doesn't matter what obedience costs us. If it means we get to see Jesus more, let's do it. Because the prize is manifestation of Christ. Then verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our residence will be with him. We will manifest ourselves to him. We will interact with him as if we are family. In other words, that individual who obeys me shall be a person who enjoys divine fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I can't imagine anything more sweet, more satisfactory, more sublime than fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen, if that's what it takes, if obedience is what it takes, let's do it because it puts us right in the middle of the kind of fellowship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enjoy with one another. Make my home with them. That's the marvelous promise. I think you can understand why some Christians are quite serious about Jesus Christ, willing to leave aside the popular sins of the world and even the neutral commitments of the world to gain Jesus Christ. G.K. Chesterton said, The world has been moved most by those who contradicted it. And I will say, if you're going to know Jesus Christ, you're going to have to obey Him And it may mean that you've got to contradict the world. Some people may misunderstand you, and some people may not quite uh, clue in to what what exactly it is that you're doing, but it makes no difference if you gain Christ. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, that He may strongly support those whose hearts are completely His. Jesus Christ has an affinity and a deep, intense, abiding affection, not only for those who immerse themselves in the disciplines, but those who immerse themselves in obedience to His commandments. So abide in Christ through immersion in disciplines, obedience to the commands, and then abide in Christ through love of and for His church. All throughout this text, Jesus used plurals. He imagines them doing this all together. And you will always be tempted to pull back on your commitment to the local church. It'll be easiest to come on Sunday morning. But I've got to say to you, we've got an entire ministry that spans all day Sunday and Wednesday and other times. When the church body is gathered for your own sake and for the sake of Christ, it's good to be with the people. You'll always have excuses. They will be relentless and they will never leave you alone at all. But Jesus promised in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He's now in the midst of heaven and the throne, receiving the praises of all the saints and and all the elders. He is the magnificent obsession of that place there because he's in the midst and he says, "I I will transform the earthly location where you are into that scene and that throne and that experience above and where you are shall be a throne room of itself is what I'll do. And I'll jump right smack dab in the middle of it all and you'll never be the same. When you love the church. Now one principle I want you to absorb and listen and hear and and, and sear upon your heart is this. The horizontal always reveals the vertical. Horizontal relationships always reveals the vertical relationship. Where we are in our relationships with other people is a manifestation and a product of our relationship with Almighty God. 
And if things are not right this way, it probably means things are not right this way. If you want more of Jesus Christ, you've got to gain more of the people of God. There's got to be a growing comfort level. There's got to be a deeper involvement. There's got to be more and more of a heart and greater reconciliation horizontally if there's ever going to be growth vertically. There is no serious walk with Jesus Christ unless there is a serious walk with the local church. And so that is to say, if we do not have a growing, dynamic, robust commitment to a local church, and we don't gather when the body gathers together, we will drift, we will decline, we will become flat. In other words, I'd put it this way, loners always become losers in spiritual efforts. We need one another. And those that are dynamically and robustly committed to the ministry of a local church and fellowship in it have got the best opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ. And so, discipline with the, uh, with the disciplines, obedience to the commands, love of and for the church, this is the medicine that we need. In fact, there's some medications that some of you have taken. Moxicillin used to be one where the instructions placed there by the pharmacist said, shake well before using. Verse 6. It's quite shaking in that regard. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. A lack of fruitfulness should shake us, and should shake us well. This is a serious threat. David, please, please preach the tender and meet Jesus. Well, hey, that's where I got my information from. This word in verse 6 comes from the tender and the meek, Jesus. Deal Moody said this, though. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you ever could. And Major Ian Thomas, I think, was entirely correct when he said, When you give all that you are to God, God gives all He is to you. Some of you are just about this far from being dynamically used of God. But you've hesitated. You've waited. It's not hip or cool enough for you. Would you just set all that aside? That's going to burn in the afterlife anyway. And just get surrendered to Jesus Christ. Bow it all to Him. Yield it all to Him. God has more for you than you ever imagined possible. There's a need to grow in the Spirit. There, there is a need to mature in Him, to magnify His love, and to magnify His joy, to magnify His power. There's a need to influence others for Jesus Christ. It's time to be fruitful. Would you quickly stand with me, please, and let's pray together. And Lord, as we come to You today, we want to praise You that You are an adequate and sufficient vine dresser and farmer. You've done well with your vineyard. And dear God, as your people, we want to declare your vine is more lovely than any on the earth in Jesus Christ. We know the challenge is not with you. We know the challenge is with us. So dear God, help us to be the branches that we need to be. God, we want power over addictions. And we want power over temptation and evil. Dear God, we want to see families restored. And we want to see families converted and come to Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, a few of us today are willing to pay the price and get as much of you as we possibly can, that we might be used of you, that what happens in our lives is more than the application of collective wisdom. And it's, it's more than just mere human thinking and more than just mere human persuasion. Dear God, we want the fire to fall from heaven. And so we plead with you for more power. We know that may require pruning. We give ourselves to you. But we are tired of there not being any glory in our lives, in our marriages, our families. We're tired of there not being any glory in our community. We're tired of decline. We're tired of the advance of evil and wickedness, sorrow and suffering and misery. We want Jesus Christ glorified and lifted up, so make us fruitful. Would you please do that, O oh God? As you keep talking to God, let me ask you to say your own words to Him. If you're tired of living without the power of God in your life, would you talk with Him right where you are? And would you tell God, dear God, I believe you are worthy to be glorified and that your son Jesus is the answer. Use your own words. But would you do that? Now use your own words, but tell God you know you're powerless. Your wisdom's not enough. Your energy is not enough. Your persuasive and skills and talents are not enough that you need His supernatural intervention in your life. Now, as you've done that, it may very well be that some disobedience or sin has come to your mind. Jesus has bled on the cross for your sins, and God loves you. He cares for you. He's got more compassion on you than anyone else in this world. And He wants to hear your confession because He's eager and willing to forgive. And He's able. He's the Lord. Would you come clean and admit that to Him? Use your own words. And now use your own words. But would you surrender to him and tell God, God, whatever it takes, I'm yours. I want the power of God in my life. I want to be fruitful, whatever it takes. He promises in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Would you trust that right now and tell him how much you trust that promise? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to open the altar today. Some of you are hungry and thirsty today for the power of God on your life. We want to ask you to come. Some of you have no idea what we've talked about today, but your heart is stirred and you need some more insight and more direction. Would you come? You need to give your heart and life to Christ. You're ready to follow Him. You're ready to follow Him in baptism and to be serious about the name and the person of Jesus Christ. Our staff will be standing here in the front. Why don't you come and do that? I'm going to finish my prayer. Tim will begin to lead us to sing. And you come. Holy Father, thank you for the good news of the Word. 
Would you fall in power and break records for churches today? For your son's sake, we pray. Amen.